0: Genesis 12, we'd like to begin reading with verse 1. And now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thy shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sichem, unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed, Will I give this land? And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as I bow before you tonight, I do thank you for another opportunity that you've given us, Lord, this side of eternity to meet together. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for saving us by your marvelous grace. Thank you for loving us enough to die for us on the cross. We're unworthy, Lord, of your great salvation. We just want to praise you tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we live in a country that we're free and we have this blessed opportunity and privilege to meet together. I pray, oh God, that you would speak to my heart and the hearts of those who have gathered to listen. I pray you give me the very message that needs to be given forth. Empower me with your Holy Spirit. And may I say exactly what needs to be said. Give me added strength. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to speak to you tonight on trials and trials especially in relation to Abraham, Abraham's trials here. Uh, There were really four major tests in the life of Abraham or his name at this time was Abram and uh, we'd like to look at these tonight by the help of the Lord. Abram, of course, is the father of. Uh, the nation of Israel, Abram himself was a Gentile. and God called out of a heathen country out of the country, what we know now as Iraq. That's really where uh, Abraham had his beginning, and uh, God called him out of there uh, to go to the land of, of Canaan. And this was the first test in his life was the separation from his country and his kindred. And the Bible said here in verse 1, the Lord had said unto Abram. Now this is past tense. God had already given uh, this uh, calling to Abram. And if you study the previous chapter, you will find that his father uh, comes along. Now uh, where his father... Uh, Come to the Lord after God uh, dealt with Abraham. It is not stated specifically. It is stated in the book of Joshua that uh, the uh, that Abram's father and and uh, relatives worshipped idols at uh, at one time. And so evidently, since he takes Abram and the family and leaves with him, uh, it would seem to indicate. That uh, that his father may become to the Lord, and uh, accepted Abram's God, but uh, they spend these years at Haran there, and God had uh, previously spoke to Abram there to get out of his country and his kindred. Now, Terah the uh, the father of Abram. In verse 26, it said, Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And uh, it seems to indicate by that verse that he was 70 uh, when Abram was born, but in reality, uh, he was 130 uh, because he comes on down in verse uh, 32, and the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Then in verse 5 of chapter 12, and Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and uh, into the land of Canaan they came. Verse 4 said, So Abram, Departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old uh, when he departed out of Haran. And his father died at Haran at 205. And Abram is now just 75, so that would make his father 130 when Abram was born. So he lived a long life. And uh, was, uh, brought, these children were born... Uh, in his old age, really. Here, now, turn if you will to the book of Acts, chapter seven, and uh, we'll learn a little more about this story. In the book of Acts, chapter seven, and Stephen is uh, is preaching in this chapter in Acts chapter seven, in verse two, and he said, "Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken." the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Iran and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Iran and from thence when his father was dead he removed him into this land wherein you now dwell. And he gave him none inheritance of it, no, not so much as to set his foot on, yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession, and to his seat after him when as yet he had no child. Now, uh, we see here that God appeared to Abraham uh, there uh, and uh, gave him uh, this revelation Now, he did that when he was still in Ur of the Chaldees, when he was still in Mesopotamia. And he said, I want you to leave your country, and I want you to go to a land uh, that I will show you. And uh, so the commandment was given a a long time before he actually entered the promised land. Uh, You know, incomplete obedience is disobedience. Sometimes we just, uh, in the trials, we halfway obey the Lord. And this created problems for Abram, as we'll see in a little while. But uh, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, verse 8, the Bible said, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place, which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promises, in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the eyes with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Now when he talks about uh, not knowing whither he went, he was talking about the land of Canaan. And God called him to go to A land that uh, God didn't just say, I want you to go to the land of Canaan. I want you to go to Palestine. He didn't tell him that. You know, God doesn't always tell, give us the whole story at the beginning. Have you ever noticed that? In fact, uh, I think seldom does God do that. Uh, The Bible talks about the trial of their faith. And, you know, uh, we want to see the whole picture. God doesn't show us the whole picture. He shows us part of it. And the Lord revealed himself to Abraham. The Bible said he appeared to him. So that means he must have come in a bodily form, in an angelic form or whatever, and talked face to face with Abraham. And Abraham, of course, had to believe. He had to believe this was really God talking to him, uh, that uh, this wasn't some man or an hallucination in his mind, but this was really the God of heaven revealing himself there to Abram. And he said, I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your kindred, and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. The Bible said he obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. Now, first, he doesn't obey because the Bible said, back in chapter 11 of of Genesis, uh, that uh, uh, in verse 31, And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they, they came into in Iran and dwelt there. And uh, the days of Terah were 205 years. Terah died in Iran. So they, they spend some time uh, you know, in Haran, there, instead of going on to the land of Canaan, instead of leaving, he left his country, but he didn't get to the to, to Canaan land. And uh, uh, he didn't leave his kindred, did he? And God had told him there in chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, to the land, that I will show thee. See, God had told him that when he was in uh, Ur of the Chaldees, He said, "I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your kindred, and I want you to go to the land that I'm going to show you." Now, Haran was not that land, because this was a city, and it was it was uh, on the main route, and and uh, you know th- this wasn't the place God uh, God had pointed out, and uh, He got His father along. And he's got his nephew Lalalong. along. And uh, many years. You know, uh, there's many lessons can be learned from this story. And uh, that uh, God, you know, can't, by the way, Canaan land is not a type of heaven. It is a type of spiritual maturity and going all the way with God and maturing in the faith. And, and many times we as Christians... You know we get bobbed down along the way. I don't know the situation that may have been involved in this journey. It was a long journey from uh, the Ur of the Chaldees to Canaan. It was a long trip, and and uh, I don't know all that may have been involved there. But if I believe with all my heart, if Abram and his wife had. Tuck out themselves and went in obedience to God, and let, and when they come to Iran, say, Well, Dad, if you, you know, if you want to stay here, if you don't think you can finish the journey, that's fine. But God's told me, God's told me to go on, and I'm going to go on. And sometimes there are things. It, sometimes it can be family, it can be friends, it can be job, it it could be uh, a variety of things that that can hinder us and hold us back and keep us from that place that God wants us to be. And we can waste a lot of time and a lot of years. And you know, one of these days we've got to meet the Lord and we've got to face God with this life and how we've lived it. And it's going to be something to give an account for it. I think of my own life. I was saved when I was 10 years of age. But I don't think from the time I was 10 till I was 20, I, I, I really don't have anything to show for those years. No souls won to God. No really spiritual growth to speak of. I mean, you just go to church and sit on a few. I suppose I did learn some things uh, along the way. But uh, I think of the wasted time and, and, the, and I, I challenge the young people and, and I try to impress upon their mind that there are opportunities that you will have as a young person you will never have in the rest of your life. And you can waste those precious moments and uh, really never do anything worthwhile for God. And I believe if you could speak to Abram tonight, Abram would tell you that those years had aroused Uh, were not where God wanted him to be. And so he ends when he gets to the land of Canaan there. He keeps searching for the city that God had told him about. Evidently God had talked to him about heaven. (laughs) I think, don't you? He described the city of God undoubtedly to him. And uh, Abram lived in a tent, went from place to place, but he never found that city God told him about, did he? Because the Lord was going to take him to another city, a heavenly city outside of this world and one day he'll enjoy that forever and so this was a test and a trial in his life then verse 10 on he talks about his the famine coming and him going down there to Egypt and they're gonna deal with that that was also a test and a trial in his life but then there's another major trial in chapter 13 and uh, you find there of course in the first part of this chapter that uh, uh, Abram goes back there to Bethel and, and there he uh, uh, makes an altar and calls on the name of the Lord. And then verse 5, And a lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. And Abram was very rich, verse 2 said, and cattle and silver and gold. Abram is not a, uh, you know, is not a, a poor man. Some people read Luke 16 and, and they say, Well, uh, the rich man went to hell because he had riches, and Lazarus went to hell because Lazarus went to paradise because he is poor. Well, Abraham, the rich man didn't go to hell because he is rich because Abraham was in paradise, and the Bible said here he was very rich. And in verse uh, five, Lot also has has great wealth here. Verse six, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren, is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If I will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if I depart to the right hand, and I will go to the left. Now, here's another major trial. And this was a trial that had Abraham listened to God in the beginning. Because the Lord had said there in chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. Some could interpret and say, Well, maybe it's not talking about his immediate kindred. But God identifies it very carefully. I want you to leave your country. Your kindred and your father's house. Now that gets very specific. But he didn't do that, did he? Now he takes a lot along. And uh, uh this causes problem uh down the road. Now he was uh, he was the nephew of Abraham there and, and Abraham felt a responsibility toward him, toward him and whatever. Uh but uh, you can see how incomplete obedience is disobedience. You know, there's the permissive will of God. God allowed him to take a lot, didn't he? Should he have taken him? Here's conflict. Here's problems. It's just like, you know, uh in, in marriage. God says a believer in Christ should not marry an unbeliever. A believer in Christ should not be dating an unbeliever. Now, if a believer is intent on marrying an unbeliever, God will let him get married. But I'll guarantee you there'll be conflict, there'll be problems. Someone said, uh, if a child of God marries a child of the devil, They'll have the devil for a father-in-law, and that makes for a bad company. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, we don't, have to, we don't have to completely obey God, but we do have to suffer the consequences of our decisions. And sometimes we begin, you know, I think some of the things that we pray about, oh, God, take this away, oh, God, remove this, Lord, get this out of my life. And some of it is nothing but the consequences of our decisions. The reaping of what you sow. God will forgive. Yes, I believe that. If a person disobeys God and sins against the Lord, God will forgive them. If they'll confess it. But it will not change the consequences of their sin. If a man lays drunk and, you know, the... The drinking of liquor uh, destroys his liver. If he'll come to God and ask for God's forgiveness and receive the salvation of God, he can be saved and go to heaven. But he'll still have a bad liver. That does not change the consequences of his sin. And so Abram here and Lot, there's, a disagreement they they're evidently very wealthy they must have great herds and there's a strife there's a conflict and I think the conflict is I think it's evident in the story if you read the rest of the chapter i I think the conflict is primarily uh, the, the fall of lot and Abram's showing a man of real character Abram was the man that God called he's the one that knew the Lord, and by the way, Lot was saved. Abram, I believe, had led him to God probably. And uh, uh, so uh, Abram was the elder. It was really his right to choose. He was the one that had made the journey initially, and Lot came along. But Abram, being a man of character, he said, I'm going to let you choose. He said, if you take the right, I'll take the left. you take the left, I'll take the right. He said, we're brethren, we're kinfolk, and I don't want there to be any strife. And you know, that's the way we, that's the, you know, most conflict that arises in families and arises in churches and arises in people's life is a result of pride. I want my way, and I'm not giving an inch. I'll have my way or else. And the Bible said, why don't you suffer wrong? What did the Lord teach? If a man smite you on one cheek, you turn the other. Then someone said, knock him down. That's not what the Bible says. Huh. You know what the Lord is teaching? He's teaching that, that you give up your rights for the sake of unity, for the sake of the body. You forfeit your. You may be in the right, but you forfeit your rights. That's real care. That's what Abram done. Abram done here, he forfeited his right. A lot showing that he was backslid on God. He he looks at the plain of Jordan. He sees the green grass. He sees everything. He knew. He knew those people of Sodom are wicked before God. Exceeding the Bible said he was aware of that. But he would not have made the choice anyway. Just that like many today, they know what the Bible said, they know what God says, but they're determined to have their way regardless. And that was the case of Lot. He saw that grace and he said, that's what I want. And I don't think Lot headed down to Sodom. in these years of pastoring. Generally, I don't see folks just backslide very quickly. It's usually a gradual process. And it's, it's amazing that folks can't see what's happening sometimes. They can't see what the devil's doing to them. I don't think Lot headed to Sodom with those homosexuals. I believe he stayed away from the town. But gradually, he ended up there. The Bible said he vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. You said, what kind of people were they? When the angels of God come down to drag Lot out of the city, to get him out of the city, they try to rape the angels, the men. That's how far gone they were. The Bible said as it was, so shall it be. But Lot made a tragic mistake. This was another trial. And you find later in the story how that Abram has to go, uh, you know, deliver Lot. They're invaded by an army and he has to go deliver them. And Abram never lost his love and never lost his concern for Lot. You know, there's a great lesson there. Even though Lot was a backsl- backslidden on God, Abram still loved that boy or that man. He still cared for him. He could have said, well... You know, he's, he's, he's done nothing but make foolish mistakes. He, he should not be there. And uh, uh, he could have made excuses and blamed Lot, but he, but he never did. In fact, when God, when the Lord comes down to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah there with the fire of God, Abram begins to plead with the Lord. He knows that Lot's down there. And he said, if there's 50 righteous, Lord, will you spare the city? And the Lord said, I'll spare it if there's 50. And it comes on down 40 and 30 and on down to 10. And there's 10 people down there. And the Lord said, if I can find 10, I'll let them all live. And this worldly crowd hates and despises fundamental Bible believers in this country. But I want to tell you, it's the born again child of God that's withholding the wrath of God upon this sin cursed nation. And even though Lot, Abraham could have said, well, let him die with him. He's got no business down there. But I find a wonderful type and picture of the Lord Jesus Christ in Abraham there pleading and begging God for mercy. Lord, don't destroy the righteous with the wicked. But God couldn't find ten. But in his mercy, he got Lot and his two daughters out and destroyed the city. But this was a great trial in the life of Abraham. And then there's another great trial. On over in Genesis chapter 21, and we're skipping a lot of the story for the sake of time. Abram is getting old. Abram is uh, 85 or 86 there. And his wife is about 10 years younger. And God began promise. He told Abraham, look at the dust of the earth. I'm going to make your seed like that. Abram began to wonder, how's God going to do this? He had no child. His wife is too old to have children. But God made a promise. And I want to say to you tonight, when God makes a promise, they, nothing can stop that promise. Nothing. So they discuss it. Probably Abram and Sarah, they, they discuss the problem and, and uh, wonder wonder how gods we know god will keep his promise god will not break his word but how's god gonna do this i can't have any children so they decide on a plan sarah had an egyptian handmaid and she said i'll give you my handmaid and the child will be legally mine because she's a slave she's a servant i own her And therefore, if she has a child, I'll own the child. And God will fulfill the promise this way. Abram agrees. Hagar conceives and has a boy baby, Ishmael. You want to know why the Middle East is a a boiling cup and why they can't get along? It's been that way for a long, long time. And if you think that... uh, that they're going to solve those problems. They're not going to solve them for long. You know, I read the story. I see the situation there. You see it on the news and all. And I think of that situation and I think of the long-term effects of disobedience. Here's a trial. Here's a test. Makes a mistake. And thousands of years later, we're still paying People say, well, it's my life. I don't affect nobody but myself. Well, that's just not so, is it? And so, Ishmael's born. And then later, God comes to Abraham and said, Abraham, I've come to give you the child. Oh, my. A child? Lord, you know how old I am? I'm 99. My wife's 89. Abraham laughs. laughs. Well, you laugh. You know, what if I got up one, I got up here one Sunday and I said, You're not going to believe this. Ninety year old woman had a baby this week. Her husband's a hundred. Some of these supermarket papers, you might see that in them. <laughs> but you probably don't believe it. <laughs> But I'll tell you, this is the true story here. And Sarah laughed, and a uh, 90-year-old woman have a child. And God says, the time's up. You're going to have a baby. They named, his, named him Isaac, which means laughter. And he had to carry that name. And uh, Isaac is born. Time goes on. You study this out, uh, Ishmael's about 18 or 19 at the time, in chapter 21. And of course, the son of Hagar, in verse 9, Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be ire with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous on Abraham's side because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the land and because of the bondwoman. And all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. And of course then Hagar is, uh, goes out in the desert, the desert area there. And the story goes on and how God looks after him and cares for him there. But now this, this was a great trial. Now I realize that I realize that this, this son was the son of a, of a slave girl but nevertheless he was still Abraham's son and he loved that boy as you would love your son. And there's conflict. There's conflict. And I don't care what you say. You know, if a person disobeys God and And in the matter of marriage and remarriage and all this sort of thing, if they disobey God, God will forgive them. But there's going to be conflict. Just like there was conflict here, there's conflict. And there was conflict between these boys, and God said, you've got to put the servant girl out with her boy. You disobeyed me. You made a mistake in this situation, and she's got to go. And the promise is going to Isaac. Now, that was a real trial, and it was a test brought on by his action, by their action. They made the decision. They made the decision not to do it God's way, to do it their way, and they paid the price. They paid the price for disobedience in this trial, and there's many lessons that could be learned from that. Now, there's one other trial I'd like for us to look at. This is the greatest trial of all. That's in chapter 22 of Genesis. In verse 1, It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now it's interesting there. Take now thy son, thine only son. Didn't he have another son? Well, yes, he did. But a son of disobedience, a son, uh, you know, he talks about that in reference to the law and all that, the lessons can be learned. But here, as far as the promise, this is the son that God recognized. Take your only son and offer him there for a burnt offering. Now, what a test. What a test. What a trial. Abraham had waited all this time for this boy. And God gave him the boy in his old age, this was a supernatural act of God that this child was born. But he said, Now I want you to take your son and I want you to offer him as an offering to me on one of the mountains. I'll tell you, now here's this test again. Just like he spoke to him in the land of Canaan. I want you to go to a land that I'll show you. And the Bible said he went out not knowing whither he went. Now he said, I, I want you to take your boy, and I want you to offer him on a mountain. He could have said, Which mountain? God said, I'll tell you when. What I need to tell you, you just me. There's no indication that Abraham hesitated one bit. There's no indication he asked God, Lord, what you must, you know, you. I, I can't be hearing you right. Lord, uh, this is the son. This is the one that we waited all these years for. This is the son of promise. This is the one that you said the promise would go to. Lord. Uh, And after all, could God be really talking about a a human sacrifice? Does God believe in human sacrifice? Some say, well, no, God, God don't believe in human sacrifice, doesn't he? What was Jesus? Was he a sacrifice or not? I don't believe, you know, the heathen in the Old Testament, they offered their sons and burn them on to Molech and, and these false gods. And they had this god, you know, uh, hollowed out and, and they built a fire in there. And that fire would burn and those arms of that false god would glow red hot and they'd take their son or daughter and lay them on those red hot arms. The depth of false religion. God doesn't accept that kind of sacrifice, but Jesus was the sacrifice that he would accept, the only human sacrifice. But he's using the illustration of this. But the Bible said in the book of Hebrews that Abraham believed God would raise him from the dead if necessary. God had taught Abraham a lesson. He simply—he believed that God would never fail to fulfill his promise. He'll do what he promised. And Abraham takes his son and on the third day, God shows him a place. He takes the lad, He leaves his servants. He takes the lead, the wood, the fire, and the knife. Isaac said, here's the fire, the wood, where's the lamb? <laughs> Abram says God will provide the lamb. He was the lamb. And they go on. And Abraham builds the altar there, puts the wood down, finds his son. No indication of any struggle. Now that tells me that Abraham had to really be teaching that boy something. Tells me that Isaac had to be saved. He probably tells him the story. Maybe as they're going up the mountain. It tells him the story. How God talked to him over in Mesopotamia, how God directed him, led him to the land there. How God gave him, Isaac tells him the story, how God gave him to him in his old age. And he said, son, you're a miracle boy. You're here because God brought you here. He probably told him the story about how the Lord talked to him, how God appeared to him, and how he told him the message of the gospel. The Bible says in John that Abraham, Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. Abraham knew about Jesus. how did he know? He knew because God had told him. God had told him about it. And he tells Isaac all this, and he puts him on the altar as a sacrifice. And he draws back the knife. And I believe he told Isaac, he said, son, don't you worry. He said, God, he said, I'm going to have to kill you. I'm going to have to offer you because this is a picture I believe God, God showed this to Abraham. This is going to be a picture of, of the sacrifice God's going to make for the sins of the world. And I've got to do it, and I've got to kill you. But God will raise you from the dead. Son, don't you worry. He'll raise you up. He draws back the knife to kill his son. And the Lord speaks to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham! He said, look over there, Abraham. And he looks over and there's a ram caught in the thorns in the thicket with his horns there. He said, untie your son, Abraham. Go get the ram over there. Put it on the altar. And that's what God done for us tonight. He got untied. (laughs) And the lamb put on the altar in their place. The Son of God died in their place. Talk about two happy people and they come off of that mountain. <laughs> the great trial of Abraham but this is one he passed with flying cars. Trials. Hest. You know where prayer ought to be. Lord, help me to honor you in the trial me not to get ahead of the Lord, <laughs> lag behind the Lord. First, he kind of lagged behind it. Then in the case of Ishmael, he kind of got ahead. We just need to walk with God. People ask me sometimes, they say, I really don't know what to do. I, you know, I have a decision to make and, and I really don't know what to do. I used advise them, if you don't have peace about it, if you don't know what to do, then don't do anything. Just wait. <coughs> wait till God gives you peace about it and then do it. And sometimes we get ahead of the Lord, then sometimes God makes His path clear, but we, we you know, out of fear, or we hesitate and, and uh, we, we lag behind. So pray about it when God gives you peace and walk with God in his will. Aspire has plan.